From MIT Technology Review, I'm Laurel Ruma, and this is Business Lab, the show that helps business leaders make sense of new technologies coming out of the lab and into the marketplace. Our topic today is embracing sustainability initiatives in data storage and management, as well as throughout the supply chain. Enterprises need to act now to realize decarbonization goals and meet environmental, social, and corporate governance deadlines. Two words for you, carbon reduction. My guest is Ian Clatworthy, who is the Director of Data Platform Product Marketing at Hitachi Vantara. This podcast is produced in partnership with Hitachi Vantara. Welcome, Ian. Hey, Laurel. Thank you so much for having me. Well, great to have you, and I think we'll just dive right in. So most enterprises are prioritizing sustainability and reducing their overall carbon footprint as climate changes persist globally. Data management and storage is a critical factor in an enterprise's carbon emissions. So could you describe the state of data management right now? Is there a prevailing understanding of how to make data centers more energy efficient during this transitional period? Or are the methods evolving? Great question, Laurel. And many enterprises have indeed been prioritizing sustainability and and looking to reduce their carbon footprint. We know now our impact on the environment is much higher than we ever thought it was. We know that data centers contribute more CO2 than the airline industry. That's massive. So there is this effort to try and consolidate what we're doing and reduce our carbon emissions. So therefore, as data centers, we really need to understand the circular economics of the products we're putting in there for data management. And that really starts at how I'm uh, really falling into the scope one, two, and three emissions. Scope one, stuff I can control, stuff I'm I'm producing. Am I burning gas to um, heat my heat heat my offices. Am are my sales team using electric cars or petrol cars? That's scope one. Scope two being much more of the you know, where am I buying my energy from? Is that renewable? Um, or where is my data center located? Data center locality has a huge impact on carbon footprint. A, a great example of that is what's the greenest state in the U.S. to hold your data? Do you know, Laurel? I don't. What is it? Uh, it's Aust- it's it's Texas and Austin specifically, they have the highest renewables rate in the United States. So therefore, my carbon footprint can be lowered massively by putting my data in in, in Texas. So there's elements like that 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 really you know from scope two can make a difference. But the key one is scope three. This is your other emissions, right? And when we get to that circular economics, it's well actually who's the vendor you can trust to provide you true transparency on carbon footprint. So I'm not talking about just running it in your data center. I'm talking, well, where have I sourced my metals from? How have I produced it? Have I developed my software in a way that's efficient and carbon neutral? How have I shipped it to you? How am I going to recycle the product? So actually, when we, I think we very quickly, and a lot of customers get into is, I need to think about advanced cooling techniques or you know, more monitoring and management That's purely the efficiencies of running the box. Absolutely, it needs to happen. But the challenge coming in, and this is where regulations are going to force our hand in some ways, is that they're going to say, well, you have to have, um, you know, a carbon reduction throughout the the supply chain. 
And from suppliers like us as Atachi Ventara, we have to declare, you know, what's the carbon footprint of my product? And a great example of that is, you know, we've shifted, you know, we do manufacture absolutely in Japan, but again, how we shift, um, you know, software development, are we doing it closer to the API? Are we doing it closer to the box? Is it efficient? All those things really matter. So these methods and technologies are evolving to meet these challenges. But I think what we need that the, the enterprises need to do is really open their mind as to what data they're storing, how they're storing it, but also where their suppliers are providing it, where they're storing their data. Data locality matters. But at the end of the day, you've got to understand that data. So important. That's really interesting that, uh, you know, the tech industry, well, through data centers are contributing more to greenhouse emissions than the airline industry, which that's astonishing. So how should leaders integrate decarbonization goals into their budgets and agendas? I mean, you mentioned a bit about data locality, but are there proactive steps they can start thinking about? Absolutely. This is also quite overwhelming, right? And I, and I speak to customers a lot on this. They're like, where do I start? Right. This isn't a competitive thing. And we see this a little bit in our industry is like, oh, well, who is more greener than who? You know, uh, it doesn't matter. We're doing this as, you know, uh, as a collective. You've got to start somewhere. So making making a step, be that as small as it is, is a massive thing. Right. And, and it shouldn't be underestimated. So when we look at integrating the carbonization goals into budgets, you know, the agenda is crucial. Start where you can actually have some impact. You know, don't try and bite off more than you can chew, as the saying says. You know, set some targets. Say, well, look, I'm just going to understand what my CO2 footprint is, first of all, right? What am I consuming day to day? How much of renewable energy sources am I using? And set some targets around that based upon where you can get to. Allocate some resource to it. You know, allow that from financials, human resources, you know, sustainability projects and initiatives across your organization. This isn't just IT. Invest in energy efficient technologies. You know, go and go and ask your vendors to help you, right? <laughs> this isn't a, comp as I say, it's not a competitive thing. Come and ask people like us and say, well, what would you recommend? Where would I start? What's a good thing? Then we're not here to cram, you know, um, things in your face. We're here to help you make those steps and to your point around you know the airline industry there are so many stats that are just eye-watering that really kind of change thinking and, and one that really brings to mind for me is a six second social media video uses the same amount of power as you would use to boil 22 gallons of water a six second video Right. And think about it. That's because I'm powering the phone. I'm powering the cell mass. I'm powering the data centers. I'm replicating the data centers, presenting that back out. That's exactly what we're doing. So this idea of just, you know, start somewhere before we get to regulation and that, that will happen. Right. That That's a given. But have regular reviews. Look at what you're doing. Take a step. Understand what you're doing today. Um, and make it a part of your agenda, of what of your of your business's agenda. Because you know what? I say this isn't competitive, but reality is you need to be competitively sustainable to exist in your industry. Customers will choose someone different. That's why this is really important. 
to sort of put this into a, a real stake, how does a company like Hitachi Ventura measure its own consumption of power and emissions? And what's the company's approach to reducing its own carbon footprint? Do you know what? It's, 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 a, it's, it's constantly evolving, right? It is absolutely. The first thing is constant audits, right? We, we have a team dedicated to looking at sustainability. And, and this is, and to be key here, Hitachi Ventara is, is a wholly owned subsidiary of Hitachi Limited. And Hitachi Limited, our executives are entirely incentivized on our green capabilities, right? That, that's absolutely key. This idea of, you know, executives making bonuses because they've sold stuff. No, um, Hitachi executives are bonused if they, we meet our green goals. So there's a complete mind shift in us as a company. So that changes everything. The first thing is, you know, when we say we want to do energy audits and we're looking at emissions inventories and, you know, data center monitoring, this is key to who we are as a company. And that's really important. You know, there is a, we've made a massive shift change as, as, a, as a company, but we're not talking about that, you know, for, for customers listening uh, to this podcast, what's their approach and how can they make that change? You know, where we've seen value is look at efficiency improvements, energy efficiency improvements. Now we're very biased. We have our own um, power generation company, which is not many people do. Um, but it means that I can go, hey, where's the best renewable energy at the minute to, from the grid to be able to supply us um, in Hitachi Mantara? Equally, we can offset that with carbon offsetting that we're doing with, with Hitachi power grids, for example, where they're investing in, in green technology and projects that reduce or capture emissions. There's a lot of thought process that carbon offsetting is a very sensitive subject because a lot of the time it's, hey, we're going to plant a tree for everything. It's outsourced to um, a third world country and there's corruption, there's issues, and those things never happen. There's there's issues around that. But again, it's, it's, it's finding the actions that you are taking, engage your employees, get them involved, right? We know that that this thought process and the, the value of, of sustainability is key to everybody. This is for us as a collective. So get people involved, get them helping, get their ideas together because they may see something because they're doing it every day that you just never would, right? And I think that's really important as part of your um, employee resource groups, get them involved. And then longer term, look for where I can get more environmental certifications you know, we know that that you know pursue environmental certification such as you know ISO fourteen hundred and one. You know, can we demonstrate regularly that we that we have this commitment to having our solutions and products certified externally by a third party? Just validates the efforts that we're doing. Um, you know, and continuous improvement. Just make sure you have a cadence of improvement and adjust the strategies accordingly. So. As you mentioned, many companies have their own ESG goals and commitments to reducing emissions, but some differentiate between becoming carbon-free internally with operations by a certain deadline, like 2050, and then they would become carbon-free throughout their entire supply chain at some other late, later point in time. Could you describe why this gap exists and what changes enterprises face when trying to decarbonize their supply chain? You know, this ties back into our first comment, right? And I and I discussed that difference of the circular economics and and scope three emissions. And this really is 
a wide range of indirect emissions. So this isn't power that I'm buying. This is the power that my suppliers are buying. And it's really difficult to uh, get transparency. And that's why someone like Katachi Ventara has made it our mission that, that we, we make ourselves exceedingly transparent and try and measure that in a way that then we can pass on to our customers. So the, and the gap here is, you know, a great example would be, I'm a vendor. I talk about sustainability in regards to, you know, how much power I'm saving you daily. But, and here is a but, I manufacture that box in China where it's coal-fired and my um, I'm using typically high CO2 processes to manufacture the, the, the metals and materials I'm using in my storage platform. I'm not going to tell you that because I don't want to tell you that. And that's where it starts to become difficult, right? Because I need that vendor to be open and wanting to share that information with us. By contrast, if I say, you know, by comparison, I manufacture in somewhere with more renewables in Asia, and, and I'm manufacturing somewhere where I'm conscious of where my supply chain is in regard to my materials. We've done some analysis like on, on what we do versus in Japan versus some of the others in, in Asia, and we can see the boxes we, we're producing have 38% less CO2. Now, that's before I've even turned it on. If I put it side by side to the one that's manufactured in that, that coal-fired environment you know, for power and manufacturing, that's 38%. You may, you know, the efficiencies of running the box, whatever, when you recycle it, there is still 38% less CO2 because of that scope three emissions of where it's manufactured, how I am choosing my metals. So this is why this gap exists, right? Because actually I'm going to be carbon free from my operations, that's my decision. But carbon three from the supply chain is I need to choose the vendors that are going to be able to help me achieve that. And the vendors themselves need to change to do that. It, it, it's really fascinating. You know, I, I mean, push your vendors, ask them and say, look, I've got to get to this. I've got to get to this point. I may not have a decision for my executives today, but I need to get there. I need to know where you're manufacturing, where are your materials coming from? How are you shipping that? Are you using, you know, last mile electric solutions to deliver, Re you know, recyclable packaging? All these things matter in regards to the overall carbon footprint um, to a product and also getting to that carbon neutrality from the supply chain for customers. Well, that transparency certainly helps when choosing a vendor uh, to work with. What are some other kind of tangible changes that companies can invest in to make their hardware and infrastructure more sustainable and environmentally friendly? So those sort of changes can really help reduce energy consumption. So we're getting into the, the efficiencies of data storage and data management. So to lower the carbon emissions and minimize that impact of IT ops, you really need to understand the data you've got, first of all. So understand you know you could put the latest and greatest storage solution in but but actually um if you're storing stuff that you just don't use or has no value to your company what's the point you could half what you're putting in there and save even more so there's this element of understand what you've got today understand its value to your business that's really key once you know that now you can say right that gives me efficient hardware, right? I've, I've got my data efficient hardware. 
the, and also choose stuff that is energy efficient, you know, upgrade to energy efficient servers, storage devices, networking equipment, look for products with energy star ratings or carbon footprint for product ratings, continue that journey of virtualization, um, you know, and reducing overall hardware footprint in your data center. The second is cooling. You know, a lot of, a lot of the cooling we see, and certainly um, I'm being from the United Kingdom, I don't necessarily need to cool my data center as much as say someone would need to do in say Arizona. Um, because I'm, you know, the ambient air is typically cooler. Um, but there's more we can do with liquid cooling. There's a great article recently of, a, of an MSP in the United Kingdom that took over a, um, I don't know what you say in the United States, but a swimming pool. What would you call that? A leisure center? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Okay. Um, but they're actually heating the pool with their data center. So they get free cooling and they're charging people to come in and enjoy the swimming pool. And I was like, this is genius, right? It's that's real social engineering around, uh, around carbon footprint, you know, and I think it's going to need more. I mean, that's a very extreme example. There's there's, but there's that clever energy management and temperature management is really exciting. And, you know, that essentially results in that kind of greener data center look and i've mentioned exciting things there but really this is all about you know monitoring reporting understand what you've got making sure that you're getting your employees engaged you know these are the key things that are going to make a, a, an impact quickly to your business yeah and those are sort of the the basics that you kind of have to do first right like understanding what your data is and where it's stored but are there emerging opportunities for data storage and management technologies that can help improve efficiency? Do you know what? There's so much going on at the minute. And, you know, these innovations are going to help reduce the carbon footprint, but we've got to be really careful. There's there's technologies that are coming out, like um, if I, for example, compare NVMe to uh, as, a, as a storage technology to SaaS, when I have SSDs, as NVMe or SCM drives, as we also have as flash drives, they actually consume a third more power than our traditional SSDs, SAS SSDs. So when you're putting in these, you know, hey, I'm going to go all NVMe and it's all exciting and it's super fast, right? That actually could have a massive impact on your carbon footprint. So, you know, think about using the right technology that's right for you. You know, don't necessarily tick a blanket box and say, this is going to be everything, right? No, you know, be more granular on what you actually need and the performances performance you need for your for your data center. And that then comes into that then moves into the technology piece. You know, you you want to look into the the data compression deduplication, which is which is very much a, a table stakes technology these days. Everybody has something. Those algorithms to reduce data is fairly common. But you need to use that on more data sets than you do necessarily today. And equally, we need to be able to, from a technology perspective, actively switch from, say, inline compression to post-process. So, for example, when there's tons of going on and, you know, there's loads of data storage, I don't want to have an impact on performance so that when I'm writing data, I'm compressing it in line and I'm dealing with it amazing. But actually, when the array is not busy, I want to be able to switch to post-process, save some power. Um, and the same can be true for the CPUs themselves. Rather than, we talk about overclocking over the years, 
we need to underclock those CPUs, make them slower. Because if we're making them slower, they're going to consume less power. But equally, I want to be able to turn them on and make them fast as and when, you know, I need that without any impact to my company, my business. So this idea of, of you know, taking technology that's inside uh, our, 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 our solutions today and making them dynamic, making them ha have the ability to reduce um, their footprint all without any impact to customers is so, so important. Look, there's much more than that going on. We've, there's tons around DNA storage and other things, which really is the next generation. Um, and I think that's going to, again, fundamentally change this conversation entirely. But actually, what we're seeing today is how can we take the technology we've got, make it dynamic, make it accessible to kind of align to your data management practices and sustainability goals. And Ian, just quickly, what was that acronym? MBNE? Oh, NVME. Got it. NVME. And could you explain that what that is to us? Yeah, sure. Non-volatile memory express. This is a language that we use for talking about storage. And apologies, we have uh, SAS as well, serial attached storage. This purely is there a language. They're a way of talking to uh, a type of media. And NVME is the latest language uh, that we have. But what that means is that means we can have even faster flash drives. Fantastic. You know, we're, we're, we're talking with a flash language, but it uses more power. So how, you know, that, that's so oh, great. I've got something faster. In it. But that could mean that you're, you know, you've put the latest technology and you've consolidated. Why is my power consumption higher? <laughs> so right. the, the key things to take, you know, just because it's the latest and greatest technology doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to lower your 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 carbon footprint. Well, and I think that's a good analogy for what we may have in our own homes with dishwashers or washing machines where it's now this longer eco-cycle. Yeah, that makes sense. So in addition to demands for reducing carbon emissions among enterprises, there's also demands for more immediate and transparent data across to run business trans applications and power AI and machine learning tools. I mean, we haven't even touched on that. We know that's like such a great demand. Every other conversation is about generative AI, right? So how do you meet those demands for greater data access while then mitigating environmental impacts? You know, it, it presents a challenge. How do we do that while mitigating environmental impacts? I've, I've spoken about, you know, start somewhere, make small changes. But then we say, well, generative AI comes in and I need to, you know, replace all my servers with the latest and greatest. And that's a huge carbon you know, issue. How do I make those changes sustainable? Well, it's about implying different strategies and balancing them. Right? What's right for some might be different for others. An example would be, you know, as I mentioned before, optimize your storage and retrieval, employ advanced data management techniques, understand where you're storing it and how you're retrieving it, how you're tiering data, along with compressing data, deduplicating it, caching strategies, you know, understand your data lifecycle and process of where you're storing it. Now, I don't mean actually, you know, the data itself. I mean, uh, sorry, I mean, like I say, an application itself. I'm talking about the physical data and how you're moving that through its life cycle in your data center. Look at the edge, right? There's lots in the edge. Data's coming in at the edge. And, you know, how do we use that to really process data closer to its source? This is very much more efficient. 
and reduces the need for transmitting last large volumes of data over long distances. So minimize the network latency and use and energy consumption by doing much more at the edge of where you're receiving data. Different for customers, depending on the apps they're using, different industries mean that need different things. So, you know, take that as it applies to you. Look at your cloud computing, right? Um, a lot of the data centers that are that the hyperscalers use, you know, are what's their CO2 impact? What's their footprint? Um, I don't think there's enough clarity there right now. So how can you actually on-premise, let's say uh, I'm in the Nordics and I have a data center there. Well, that's 100% renewables. So I have a huge saving, you know, by saying, let's say I'm not going to run it in the public cloud because I can run it on-prem. So again, that balance, understanding where, what you have is is really key but to, to you know finally understand that ai element you know what can the ai and machine learning algorithms do to dramatically allocate resource based upon workload demand make it so that you only utilize it when you need it rather than actually taking resource and then uh you know sitting on it and that balance that need for kind of immediate and transparent data access uh, with, with that environmental sustainability in mind, delivers a real holistic approach. So look at data flows, adopt energy efficient technologies, and that's going to um, really align your data processing capabilities with those goals. So thinking ahead, what are some of those trends in relation to data management that you're thinking about and anticipate enterprises will approach to reduce their own carbon footprints? while still being able to, you know, deploy all these uh, advanced technologies and innovations? Gosh, yeah, that's, that's such a wild question. Let me try and let me try and um, summarize. I think there's so many trends in data management and sustainability is almost like a cloud that's hanging over them, right? Because people think, oh, how am I going to do this and meet those goals? It shouldn't be seen like that. The focus should be on sustainability and how do we align our strategies to that? So again, you know, start somewhere, understand the power that you're using, use, you know, start with some level of reporting, understand what you're using, understand, and there's going to be more coming from vendors to provide software to give you more metrics and reporting. That's really key. Stakeholders will expect clear information on carbon emissions and energy usage. That's That's absolutely key. The second has to be you know, re renewable energy procurement. So make sure that you are investing in renewable energy sources. You know, IT typically doesn't have control over where power is you know, provided, but that includes on-site generation too. You know, they may have backup generators. Are they generators or are they using PDUs? So power purchase agreements, renewable energy credits, and how you're actually using that for backup power as well, um, really, really matter. But And again, just that element of energy-efficient hardware, as you're looking to invest, ask the difficult question. You know, well, where, where are you producing this? You know, where, where is it manufactured? How are you shipping it? Right? These are really, really difficult questions. And, and oh, by the way, I want to see how you're doing that. Like, actually, I want to see you uh, certified externally to meet those goals. And all that sort of collaboration around su supply chain sustainability will really help, um, you know, understanding how you're sourcing uh, and responsibly manufacturing becomes integral to that data management strategy. 
and and finally just really innovation and research the ongoing innovation and research into how we're using technologies within within um data solutions to actively and dynamically turn on features and turn off features with complete transparency to you as a customer i think that's so important so you need to adopt a multifaceted approach that combines energy efficient infrastructure renewable energy sourcing optimize the data management practices but commit to that transparency and sustainability reporting yeah, the environmental concerns will continue to grow and these trends will play a critical role in shaping the future of data management. Well, Ian, this has been a fantastic conversation on the Business Lab. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Laurel. That was Ian Clatworthy who is the Director of Data Platform Product Marketing at Hitachi Vantera, who I spoke with from Cambridge, Massachusetts, the home of MIT and MIT Technology Review. That's it for this episode of Business Lab. I'm your host, Laurel Ruma. I'm the Global Director of Insights, the custom publishing division of MIT Technology Review. We were founded in 1899 at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and you can find us in print, on the web, and at events each year around the world. For more information about us and the show, please check out our website at technologyreview.com. This show is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll take a moment to rate and review us. Business Lab is a production of MIT Technology Review. This episode was produced by Jiro Studios. Thanks for listening.